right, here we go. The long weekend has come and gone, and what a weekend it was. Beautiful weather, a nice holiday Monday, and a big trade with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Welcome in to First Up, Karolnik Koliakovo. What's up, big dog? How you feeling this morning? I'm feeling awesome, man. It's uh, Tuesday. It's the start of a short week. It's the morning after a long weekend, and... uh, it's amazing how the weekend started because one of the biggest news in sports in Toronto was a news dump on 11 o'clock Late. on Friday night. Late uh, on Friday night. The fireworks just started uh, that night and you know kept me up till the early hours of the morning, carried into the weekend, and lo and behold, we sit here today and the Maple Leafs have a whole new look to themselves with the acquisition of Ryan O'Reilly, my favorite hockey player. Number one, and eh? Number one favorite hockey player, and Noel Achari, um, as they acquired them from the St. Louis Blues, and in a deal that they, most people would say they gave up a lot, but they're draft picks. Who cares? No, <laughs> if they, it they, helps them win now, they gave up a lot. They gave up a lot, and they got a lot. And in order exactly. to get in, in order to get good things, you have to give up good things. And that's what the Toronto Maple Leafs did. The deal as a whole, they got O'Reilly and Achari from St. Louis in exchange for a first, a second, a third, and a fourth. That's what it boils down to. Over three, spread and over two three American years. League players, and two American League players. Yes, we don't want to disparage the American League players. But you're right. It was eleven o'clock Friday night, and you heard the players come in. On Saturday, John Tavares like, yeah, I was asleep. I know a ton of people that we know, Coco, were asleep when the news broke. And I was actually in a room with full of my, like, Leaf diehard friends. We were all going out Friday night. And when I saw the email come across, I was like, oh, my goodness. I look at these guys. Like, you're not going to believe who the Leafs traded for. <laughs> and it was as if, like, a, like, fireworks went off. Like, the electricity in the room just went to a whole other level because you're talking about, Ryan O'Reilly and Con Smythe, Selkie, Lady Big Winner, a guy who has been an absolute force during the Stanley Cup playoffs and almost every series he's been a part of. It's a really exciting time if you're a Toronto Maple Leafs fan. It does bring me back to the Owen Nolan trade and kind of a similar vibe to the Nick Felino trade. Those didn't work the way that I'm sure Leaf fans would have liked it to work, but we're going to see how this one works. It's a very exciting time to be a Toronto Maple Leafs fan. Yeah, it sure is. And we've got the whole show to really dive into, you know, how everything went down and the reaction of, of you know, Ryan O'Reilly and Achari and the impact that those two players are going to have on this team. But, um, you know, you, you got a feel for the two players with the weekend that they just had coming into a new team and how much of a, a whirlwind it was because it was a deal that, that happened late on a Friday night. Both players were adamant to be in the lineup on Saturday, which is what love you that. love to love hear. That. These guys are gamers, oh. and you know the the Maple Leafs need gamer type of players. And you know they really haven't had any time to digest anything. You know they jump on a flight, they get here, they use the adrenaline to get through the game on Saturday night, and you can feel the energy in the building at Scotiabank Arena. I wasn't there, but I know a lot of people that were there and made it a priority to be there, and they said it was just electric. It had a playoff feel with the Habs being in town, with the new-look Maple Leafs. And then 
you know, they get a big win on on Saturday night, which I think most people expected against the Montreal Canadiens. But hey, you know, as a team they've struggled against over their last five games, Montreal has a had a four and one record go against the Maple Leafs going into that game. But just all of the emotions that went into that game for those two players, and then only to jump on a flight and head back into the Central Time Zone to play the Chicago Blackhawks Sunday night. I mean, you talk about jumping right in, you know, head first. I think Ron O'Reilly said it best in his post-game interview on Saturday night. It's almost like jumping into a cold tub. Instead of slowly getting in, the best thing is just <laughs> jumping right in and just letting it letting it all happen. And, you know, you kind of feel for the players in that sense because the adrenalines have been through the roof over the last 48 hours. They have a day to sort of reflect and sit back yesterday, but now they jump right back into the mix again tonight against the Buffalo Sabres. Um, and, and, and I don't know how to, the best way to describe it, if you're traded, whether it's you know easier to just jump right in and not worry about all the other logistics that come with getting traded, but you have to imagine this has taken a, a very big emotional toll on those two players especially and everybody around them. And I don't know, man, like I... I to me, the level of excitement around this group with this addition has just taken another level. And I've always been the guy, and AK, you know me, I've always been level-headed, even-keeled, very open-minded about any transaction that the Maple Leafs would make. But this one here, I don't know, it's just the level of excitement for me, and it's it, maybe it's because how I feel about Ryan O'Reilly uh, former teammate of mine in Buffalo, and ever since I played with him in Buffalo, I've developed somewhat of a man crush on him because of how much of an impact this guy can have both on the ice and off the ice and in the locker room. And you saw the impact it had right away when he got traded to St. Louis. I mean, he helps them right at right history you remember they were a last place team january 2nd they go on a on a run they make the playoffs they win the stanley cup he wins the con Smythe. and st louis has you know been at another level since he's been there and people can say what they want about his age and stuff like that he doesn't lose those intangibles doesn't it scare you like oh this guy is getting up there in the years i don't know how much no. he has left he has 30 he's 32 years old yeah <laughs> well it's for you as a 40 year old man myself as a 34 year old man it's like people please please yeah. this is <laughs> it's not and, uh, it's, this is not brian leach or ron francis at the end of their careers ryan o'reilly was a point of game player in the playoffs last year i think the concern surrounding his performance this year there's been a lot of instances where you're on a bad team, you're not playing with the best of line mates, and there is a reinvigoration of one's career immediately after a big trade like this. Right. We saw it last year with Hampus Lindholm, right? Who's terrible, having a brutal season relative to what we would expect from him. Then he goes to Boston, and he's been one of the top, what, 20, 25 defensemen in the NHL this mm-hmm. year with the Bruins. So I think that's what the Maple Leafs are banking on, too. And Coming to Toronto, great line mates, great situation, hopefully a great performance for so Ryan I spent a lot of the weekend talking to people around the situation, mostly from St. Louis, and we'll have Andy Strickland from St. Louis join us at uh, 8.30 this morning to dive more into the acquisition and what these players meant to the team of St. Louis and how they'll impact uh, you know, the, the, the team in Toronto here. But I tell you what, man, a very underrated player in this deal that 
gets overlooked is Noel Achari. Like the rave reviews the teammates that I spoke to in St. Louis were taught were saying about this guy, about his passion, his work boot mentality, his bowling ball attitude. Like this guy is is the gamer, and you can tell with the season that he's had. I mean, he's been one of St. Louis's most consistent players this year. Coach Barube absolutely loved him as a player and as a person, and you know. Not only do you bring in O'Reilly, but you bring in a very significant piece that can upgrade your bottom six. Great face-off guy. And you saw in two games, like, he was a standout every time he was on the ice. Yeah, right? he sc- and- scored a goal against Chicago. And, yeah, O'Reilly and Achari were taking a ton of draws and were being very successful. That's, that's yeah. an important role come playoff time. And, and let's not kid ourselves. This is a move, obviously, with O'Reilly and Achari being pending UFAs and who knows, maybe they try to bring them back. I don't think we necessarily need to spend too much time on that today because there's so many unknowns. The fit, right. the long-term viability of it. There's so much that could happen with the Toronto Maple Leafs in the next six months or so. But these are guys who can absolutely compete at the highest level against the best teams. And the Toronto Maple Leafs are going to be playing one of the best teams in the NHL in the Tampa Bay Lightning in the first round of the playoffs. How much does O'Reilly and Achari and... I think a very legitimate question is what comes next because they're not done. I mean, it's pretty no. obvious. You look at the way that they went about this move, the double retention with Ryan O'Reilly's salary keeps a lot of options open for Kyle Dubas and the Maple Leafs. They're going to go out and get a defenseman. It's just a matter of how many more assets and draft capital and prospects are the Leafs willing to give up to get that defenseman. That's going to be something we'll be tracking over the next 10 days or so. Well, if there's one thing that we shouldn't be surprised about when it comes to the way the Maple Leafs operate is they always find a way to make it work. Whether it's creativity with the salary cap, whether it's certain players within the next week or two that might make a visit to the long-term IR, which is you know what we saw before the trade happened with with Matt Murray, mm-hmm. and you know we don't know. Kyle Dubas seems pretty confident that he'll be ready to come off of LTIR on February 28th when he's scheduled to come off. But, I mean, that that's, that's a question mark that will answer itself depending on where the team is at against the cap and how these other two goalies are playing. I mean, we saw Joseph Wall take the net on Saturday night, and I think that that's important for the Maple Leafs to give ju- uh, Justin – is it Justin Wall? Joseph Wall. Joseph, Joseph Wall. Joseph Wall. Joseph Wall to give Joseph Wall NHL games right now and see what he is, how he handles it. And obviously we know what what Ilya Samsonov is with this team and for this team. And people will question whether or not he should have played Sunday. And I love his brutal honesty (laughs) of his post-game He's the best. (laughs) Ilya Samsonov is one of the funniest dudes we've ever seen on the Maple Leafs. We'll play, we'll play those, those comments on the other side because you're right. I mean, no filter. It's like, here's what I'm thinking, here's yeah, what I'm experiencing, here's... and here's the truth, media. Think of how different <laughs> like, that answer would be from John Tavares. Yeah. He'd be like, yeah, you know, I just wasn't feeling well. It's like, okay. Yeah. And then Ilya Samsonov said something very, very different. We'll play that for you on the other side. Look back on the game on Sunday against Chicago, a game in which, I mean, we saw Patrick Kane and the Blackhawks played the Leafs earlier last week, and Kane was a complete no-show. It was a ghost. I think something has changed in his mentality, or at least his performance, because he is absolutely on fire. A hat-trick 
four points for Patrick Kane against the Maple Leafs. It was some old-school Showtime sellies as well. Quite the night for Kane, and maybe he was making a statement to somebody. I don't know if it was someone in the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, management staff or maybe just the NHL as a whole that he is far from done. So we'll get to that story on the other side as well. Again, we'll hear from Ilya Samsonov. Wow, a very busy Tuesday morning following the long weekend here in southern Ontario. Korolnik Koliakovo will be back with more after this. All right, so we're back here on First Up. This is TSN 1050, Korolnik and Koliakovo with you. Sunday night was not a great night for the Toronto Maple Leafs. They lose 5-3 to the Chicago Blackhawks, an especially bad night for Ilya Samsonov, the goaltender for the Leafs who did not play well under... Difficult circumstances, Coco. And anytime you're dealing with stomach problems, doesn't matter if you are a radio host, you work in construction, or you're you're a goaltender in the NHL, it can be a little bit challenging. And Samsonov was having some some problems. And I think we can all relate. We can all relate to those problems. Here is Samsonov explaining what was going on with him. You were a little bit sick, I think, going into the break too, right? So was it the same thing or is it completely? No, no, no. In this break, I got some cough. Uh, right. right now, like more stomach, stomach and sick. Right. It's not not great. Gotcha. <laughs> it's, it's hard day. On the <laughs> 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 um. Hard day on the toilet. It yeah. was. Yeah, hard day on the toilet. Sammy. He yes. <laughs> used a different term than toilet, but I think yeah. we can empathize with him. So. When you think back to, to to Sunday, I guess it's hard to really recalibrate what day it is today considering coming off the long weekend. There were a lot of people who were so excited following Saturday night. They beat up on Montreal, O'Reilly and Achari are in the fold, and then they lay another stinker against one of the worst teams in the NHL in Chicago. It, it's, it's not good. I mean, obviously it's unacceptable to lose to the Chicago Blackhawks if you're a team like the Maple Leafs who view themselves as Stanley Cup contenders. But at the same time, Chicago was rested. The Leafs were playing the second half of a back-to-back. They had a goaltender who was spending <laughs> hours on the toilet. It's it's not ideal, but I think maybe you can come up with some excuses as to why it went down the way it did. Well, AK, when we do our dump and chase segments twice a week uh, with FanDuel, uh, we've got to find you know uh, bets that that sort of uh, garner our attention. And what are my favorite things to look at when you're trying to find an advantage to, you know, picking a side or picking a team? It's a spot in the schedule that is not favorable for a certain team. And you look at the way the schedule is constructed, and and I'm not trying to make excuses for their loss. I'm just saying, you know, even Sheldon Keefe touched on it after the game, saying that you could tell the energy was tough to find last night. You know, they get in late post-game to Chicago. You lose an hour of sleep, and it's a 5 o'clock game. Something, you know, that, that's a little off in, in your in your body clock and in the schedule. And I know you're playing the Chicago Blackhawks. You should still find a way to win. But that's why the schedule is created the way it's created. It's, it's just sometimes it, wherever you meet a certain spot, it might not work to your advantage. And... Sunday night was a great example. You saw Chicago get off to an early start, and yeah, the Maple Leafs, for the most part, were trailing the game. They've at one point found themselves down three-one. Credit to them for, you know, fighting back and and making it three-three. But it was the Patrick Kane show. You know, this is a guy that on Wednesday night was here, 
based on a lot of the speculation he was dealing with, with trade rumors and certain teams that he was linked to, didn't have his greatest game, didn't speak to the media, hasn't spoken to the media at all since Sunday. And a lot has happened since Sunday. Another team that was of interest for him acquired a big time player and credit for Patrick Kane because you know there was a lot of people that when he left Toronto were saying yeah you know maybe he's not worth the price you know his hip is something that's really bothering him well he's got since Toronto he played two games and he's got five goals in two games (laughs) I think he's doing okay I think he showed up he has showed up and he has showed people that he still has a lot left in him the hip is not an issue and maybe maybe we'll find out sometime this week whether or not he wants to get traded because say what you want about his comments that he made after the game it's pretty ironic that the comments were made after the game after both teams that he had wished to go to had acquired significant pieces that basically filled his spot. Yeah, they there were there were two teams, the Rangers and the Leafs. The Rangers pick up Tarasenko, the Leafs pick up O'Reilly. Those were Patrick Kane destinations. And the other the Leafs and the Rangers opted to go with those guys over Patrick Kane. And he took it personally, pretty much. He sure did. And you know, I would too he if sure I was did. him. And, and I think, good for him. Exactly. That's what he that's what makes him showtime. That's what makes him a future Hall of Famer. And look Who's to say something still couldn't happen if he went to management and said, these are the still two teams I want to go to? Or maybe now he's having some, you know, some, some reflection time and basically saying, okay, I know I still got a lot left of me. I want to score these type of goals in playoffs. Maybe I should look at other teams and explore my options even more. And look, there's no one to blame in this situation. If anything, you know, Patrick Kane has to understand that his delay in his decision basically cost him two teams that he probably had a chance to go to. And this is no fault to him either because this is a guy that has earned the right to make this decision based on the career he's established. And now he's got a lot of self-reflection to do and a lot of thinking to do about what he wants to do next. We saw the unfortunate decision from Jonathan Taze that was made over the weekend basically saying he won't be traded, he's dealing with some health issues, and we all hope that he'll find a way to to back to 100% health because literally that is the only thing of concern to him. But this leaves the door wide open for Patrick Kane right now. I mean, are there other teams that step up and, and jump into the mix like Dallas or Vegas or... Edmonton has been Edmonton. rumored. Edmonton with Patrick Kane, like a fully functioning Patrick Kane like we've saw, we've seen in the last couple of games. It actually would... Like, Boys, pick up a defenseman if you're Edmonton. Like I, I've been watching Jesus. a lot of the Oilers. Like they are just blowing leads left and right, and they can score. I don't think scoring like you don't need Patrick Kane. Go out and and so, and get a guy to defense. But hold on, back to Kane and his destination. And again, the Leafs lose five three to Chicago on Sunday. They play the Buffalo Sabers tonight. The Leafs' record, by the way, Coco, quickly against bottom five teams in the NHL four four and two this season. Yeah, Tampa. 7-0-2, oh, Boston 8-1-0, oh. Leafs 4-4-2. Well, four, four, 
The good thing about that stat, AK, is when the playoffs start, they won't be playing a bottom five team. No, I, I think that is very true. Very true. <laughs> so, you don't have to worry about that. But it, it is know, still just so, and this is something that's been following the Leafs for a couple of years, just playing poorly at the worst times against the worst teams. It's yeah. so odd, and I don't think anyone can really explain why that is the case. But quickly, back to Kane. Do you think there's part of Patrick Kane? Oh, really? All right, New York. Oh, okay, Toronto. You guys don't want me. You want Tarasenko. You want O'Reilly. Hey, Kyle Davidson, Chicago. There's only one team I want to go to. There's two teams. Tampa or Boston. I'll go to one of those two teams. And then it's like it's pure spite. It's the spite tour for Patrick Kane. And I don't know if that's going to happen. You saw last night Mark Stone was placed on LTIR with Vegas, Mm -hmm. opening up 9-5 in cap space. They can go out and get whoever they want and get Kane for... You know, barely any retention now if they want to. So he, I think Kane still gets moved for sure. He's, he's got something left. He's going to make a major impact. Is the impact going to be as significant as Ryan O'Reilly? Depends on what you're looking for. They're, they're very different players at, right. uh, at this point in their careers, and they do different things. Like Ryan O'Reilly is not the offensive centerpiece of the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's just not what he is. It's not his role. And Patrick Kane, I mean, he could very well be a game-breaker, as we saw over the weekend. So... A lot of fun, a lot of intrigue. What, 10 days until the trade deadline on March 3rd? Man, I cannot wait. I think it's going to be so you, fascinating. Again, do you see the excitement that's been created in the NHL over the last 10 days based on big-time trades that have been made? Does the NHL not wake up and see this and, and understand this is a way to keep fans engaged into the game? I mean... You could have you could have planned a parade over the weekend with the O'Reilly trade in Toronto because of there was one on King Street how, West. How, I saw how, it with my own eyes. How you know this this Leafs nation just erupted, and they couldn't do it on Friday night because most people weren't up to probably see it or hear it. But Saturday morning, when people finally got the news, I think people had to take a double look at it and say, <laughs> "Wait a minute, pardon." Did, well, well, what what just happened here? The Maple Leafs just acquired Ryan O'Reilly, a Conn Smythe winner, a guy that fits that checks every box of what a playoff performer should be and should play like. And you know that that that's what gets you excited about this deal. And you know, I guess there was a lot of people playing armchair coach too. Where is he going to play in the lineup? Is he going to be the third line center? And I basically said, look, you don't acquire a guy like this to play him outside of your top six right now. Maybe this is something you explore with the next 20-plus games that you have left based on how your players and what type of chemistry you're trying to create. And your last resort is obviously putting them on the third line, playing that third-line center role. But clearly, they're going to find a way to keep them incorporated in their top six because this is the move of the top six forward that they made, that they centered on, and that obviously they're banking on making a difference. And then you add Achari to that, who's going to be a difference maker in their bottom six. you you, you got to feel a lot more excited about this team because they did get better. Oh, and that's, sure. that, that's the ultimate goal when you make a trade is did you get better or how did you fare from it? Well, the Maple Leafs got significantly better with this trade, with this acquisition. A ton of hockey talk coming up over the next four hours here on First Up. We've got Chris Johnston at 745, Andy Strickland from St. Louis, the host of the Cam and Strick pod. He's up at 830. Marty Biron live from Buffalo where the Leafs take on the Sabres this evening. Tons of great hockey conversations ahead including with our man Cheese behind the glass. We'll play some 
Who says no with him? And we'll look back at a wild weekend in the NBA. How about my guy, Mac McClung? What a what performance. A what an athlete. He has He's brought it back. The dunk contest is back. Maybe, you know, LeBron and John Morant will take him on next year. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. But it was a lot of fun on Saturday night. We'll get to John Rahm as well. And the XFL makes its debut. 3-0 and in picks for yours truly. No big no deal. No way. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I sent all those picks to you guys. Come on. Hopefully you took I only got one. Me. I only got one. Uh, a group chat was, was live with winners this weekend. Uh, anyways, we've got Who Says No on the other side. Our man Cheese joins us next. We're back here on First Up, Karolnik Koliakma. We bring in our man Chris Horvat, a.k.a. Cheese, to the program. There it is. Who says no? Cheese, what are we debating this morning, my man? We are going to start with the NFL. I know NHL is kind of top of mind for everyone right now, but, mm. you know, let's spice it up a little bit. Love Derek, it. Derek Carr, he had a visit with the Jets this weekend. Let's say he signs a two-year deal with $40 million guaranteed money with the Jets. Who says no? Look, if I'm in this situation, Derek Carr has to say no to this. Why the hell would Derek Carr leave Vegas to sign with another AFC team if he wants to make a significant impact on whatever team he's signing with? Pick an NFC team to go to because the NFC is so short of high-profile quarterbacks compared to what the AFC has to offer. I mean, you want to go into a division with Josh Allen and Tua Tagovailoa and everything the Miami Dolphins? Have or would you rather go to the NFC South where, South where there is no quarterbacks that you have to face and, and, and contend with? I think you could also argue that Derek Carr would be part of that no quarterback contingent. No, I mean, like, what is he, the 20th best quarterback in the NFL, maybe? He's all right. I think the question is more like, do you want Derek Carr? Do you want to give up two first-round picks and bring in Aaron Rodgers? I think that's probably what the Jets are are wrestling with right now. They're trying to figure out, okay... Aaron Rodgers is great, but he's also turning 40, and we have to give up multiple first-round picks to bring him in. Or we could just sign Derek Carr here for, whatever, $40 million guaranteed as, no, he, I, as I, you illuminated cheese. I totally agree, Aki, but the question is, who says no? Yeah, the Jets are going to say yes to that because they get to keep they get to bring in a guy without giving up anything. Mm-hmm. But if you're Derek Carr, again, why do you want to stay in the AFC? What what, what are your chances of, of – like, how are your chances greater of winning and having success when you're – there's like seven or eight quarterbacks in the AFC right now. Uh, oh, seven or eight great quarterbacks. It's a difficult spot, but at the same time, you got you got to look at, the, at your best landing opportunity, right? And for Derek Carr, I mean, it's not like he their teams are trading away quarterbacks to bring him in. So you probably have the Jets. You maybe have the New Orleans Saints. I guess you can go to New Orleans, but, I mean, uh, maybe you have a better chance of winning. But honestly, man, I think in many respects, winning might be a tad overrated when debating free agency decisions, especially for a guy like Derek Carr. He just wants the best landing spot. Nice, sweet pad in NYC. Can't underrate that. Better than New Orleans, I would say. That's my personal opinion. Jeez, what else we got? Let's shift to the MLB, Major League Baseball. When we talk about the Blue Jays and extensions, there's so much talk around Bo Bichette and Vlad Guerrero and what are they going to sign for. But another player that could use a new contract is Matt Chapman. He's been excellent at third base recently. So, the Toronto Blue Jays signed Matt Chapman to a five-year $85 million extension. 
Who says no? no? Matt Chapman laughs and turns, walks away. That is way too cheap for him. I mean, this is a gold glove third baseman. Right. He, he's he's looking at got twenty million a year for sure. I mean, for sure. Uh, that's so, that'd be a great deal for the Jays if they can get that one done. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, I think Matt Chapman says no to this one because eighty-five divided by five is seventeen million dollars. Like that is that's a bargain for the Blue Jays, yep. and I don't think that's market value for for Matt Chapman. So if the Blue Jays could do it, great. But Matt Chapman probably says no to that contract. And it does sound like Chapman wants to be a Blue Jay long term, which is great because he's, he's he's a great player. I mean, he's great uh, player, an asset, lover, an asset for can, them, and they gave up a lot to bring you, him in. Can give you close to thirty home runs a season. I love it. Ah, oh, yeah, baseball season right around the corner. Buster only in just over an hour and a half. Let's get to it. Everybody wants to hear the NHL trade ones, so we'll start there. The San Jose Sharks trade Timo Meyer to the Boston Bruins for a 2023 first, a 2025 second, and their top prospect, Fabian Lysel. Who says no? <laughs> Fabian Lysel. Yeah. Um... I'm going to say the San Jose Sharks say no to this because when you're talking about the top trade ship right now on the market i mean if ryan o'reilly fetched a first a second a third i mean you're talking about a first a second a throw-in player craig smith and your top prospect i don't even think that's close to what i i think the market has been set with kyle dubas and the ryan o'reilly trade so san jose is taking there sitting there saying okay our deal for Timo Meyer is at least starting with this. What are you adding on top of it that can sweeten the deal? So San Jose definitely says no to this. I, I agree. And it does sound like Carolina, maybe New Jersey. Those are the two front runners for Timo Meyer. And the thing about him that is unique, that's not like Tarasenko, that's not like Ryan O'Reilly or sure Patrick did. Kane, is that he's restricted. So in theory, you could trade Timo, trade for Timo, Ryer, Timo Meyer for a playoff run and then move him again. Flip him again in the offseason and recoup some of the assets that you used to bring him in. So, yeah, I, I am with you, ultimately, Coco. I think San Jose says no. Okay, AK, earlier you said that it was premature to talk about whether Ryan O'Reilly might resign. And you know what? You're right, but we're going to do it anyways. <laughs> Ryan nice. O'Reilly signs a three year, $13.5 million extension with the Leafs in the offseason. So, is that 4.5? Four, 4.5. 4. 4. 4. 5. Who says no? Hmm. Coco, what are your thoughts? Yeah, this is a tough one because I believe this was a deal similar to what he had on the table to stay in St. Louis. And obviously, they couldn't come to an agreement, which is why Doug Armstrong decided, okay, I'm, I'm getting a lot of calls and I, there is a lot of interest on Ryan O'Reilly. It's hard for me to turn down the asking price and some of the pieces that I will be getting in this deal. So we're going to continue to stay in full sell mode and we'll reevaluate this situation in the offseason. And credit Doug Armstrong. I sent out a tweet on the weekend and Kyle Dubas because when the the discussions around Ryan O'Reilly picked up, Ryan O'Reilly didn't have a no-trade clause. He couldn't dictate where he wanted to go. And... Obviously, this was something that happened very quick, but behind the scenes, there was a lot of discussion between the family and the agent to, to make Toronto the landing spot, and both GMs found a way to get it done for the player and for the team, so I give both GMs a lot of credit to that. 
I would say both players would say yes to or both parties would say Ooh. yes to this. I, I think, look, you can't question Kyle Dubis when he makes a move of this significance. He doesn't. Uh, he doesn't have the intention to re-sign one or both players at the end of the season after giving up this type of trade package to acquire both. I wouldn't put it past the Maple Leafs. Ryan O'Reilly's family's from here. Ryan O'Reilly is a Toronto guy. Ryan O'Reilly and his family wanted to come to Toronto. If everything goes well, I honestly can see them coming to agreement and him remaining a Maple Leaf past this season. But as Kyle Dubas said, they are in no rush. They want them to live together before they move in together. I love that. I, I love that comment. So. I think Ryan O'Reilly says no. I just don't think it's enough of a salary for him. This guy's making $7.5 million a year now. And I believe that he's going to have a really strong finish to the season. Statistically, because he's playing with John Tavares and Mitch Marner. So if Ryan O'Reilly starts to produce points like he did for the last decade, getting him at $4.5 million with a rising salary cap for three more years is a unquestionable steal. So I think it's possible Ryan O'Reilly remains a Leaf long-term, but not at $4.5 million. As nice as that would be for Leafs Nation, it's just not nearly rich enough for what Ryan O'Reilly could very well get on the open market. You guys were talking earlier about how Patrick Kane's trade destinations are seemingly shrinking. You know, he wanted to go to the Rangers. He maybe wanted to go to the Leafs. Neither of those are options right now. So maybe L.A. The Chicago Blackhawks trade Patrick Kane to the Los Angeles Kings for a first and a third this year, plus top prospect Alex Turcotte, who says no. I think the LA Kings say no. That's a isn't wasn't Alex Turcotte like a top ten pick a couple top, years ago? Top five, top or seven, five yeah. pick. Yeah, I mean, and a first and a third. That's way too much for Patrick Kane because yeah. I, I think again you're talking about serious salary retention here, um, which I guess is advantageous to the LA Kings. But first, third, and a top prospect for Kane is more than O'Reilly and and Tarasenko were uh, acquired for. So. I think the Kings are saying no. Ultimately, I think the Kings are going to trade for a defenseman as well. That's their top priority heading into the deadline. Yeah, and maybe they pick up some insurance in net because I know Phoenix Copley has helped turn their season around, especially when they demoted Cal Peterson. And Jonathan Quick hasn't been a guy that they could lean on every day, which is understandable. I mean, he is getting up there. The mileage that he's put on helping them win two Stanley Cups is obviously caught up to him too. I'm going to say the LA Kings say no to this too, just because if if the, if Patrick Kane ultimately ends up choosing the LA Kings, I don't know if, if the Chicago Blackhawks are going to have much leverage in any deal that they make because there's going to be no bidding wars on, on Patrick Kane. You're just basically trying to do right for the player, especially mm-hmm. now you know, considering that him waiting as long as he has has eliminated two teams that he probably wished he could have he could have went to, and you know, I just people came at me hard Sunday night on on Twitter when Patrick Kane came out and said what he said. But I wish people would be smarter about evaluating the situation. What did you expect Patrick Kane to come out and say? I, I thought he game? was going to be like, Coley Akva was right. I don't know how he got that information. Yeah. He's and an unbelievable insider. He knows his stuff. It's like, it's like you think he's going to come out and say, yeah, I wish I could have went to Toronto after... <laughs> 
basically people comment on the fact that yeah, after what he said about the Rangers, like he he said exactly what he needed to say, and it didn't come to a surprise to me. And at the end of the day, there was no, there wasn't even any trade discussions that happened between Toronto or or Chicago or the Rangers in Chicago. This is just basically him telling people around him that if he was to get traded, those are two teams he could see himself being traded or wanting to see himself being traded to. And it didn't happen. So what did you expect him to say? Did you expect him to say, yeah, you know what? Yeah, because the Rangers and the Maple Leafs traded for somebody to replace me, I think I'm just going to pack it in and opt for surgery. Like, come on, people. Use your head. Of course he's going to say that. We've got one more, and this is a special one. This is a listener submission from M. Blair YQR. If you have your own submission, you can go to First Up 1050 and drop them every Tuesday. The Predators trade Matthias Ekholm and Tanner Janot to Edmonton for a 2023 first, a 2024 second. Evan Bouchard and Jesse Pugliarvi. Oh, my God. What a blockbuster. (laughs) That is a blockbuster. I don't think that would actually work for Edmonton salary-wise. Because Echo, I think, makes what six with uh, with Nashville, and he's got term on his deal too. But he's got like six years. Yeah, he? no, he's got. I think, I think he's four. I mean, yeah, four. a lot. But I think that's well. Let's keep salaries aside for Edmonton. I mean, I think I think probably both teams say yes to that idea at least, and whether it actually works in in reality is a different question. But Edmonton needs a top four defenseman. Stop talking about Patrick Kane out there and Timo Meyer bringing in another top six guy. They're good in that respect. They need someone who can play some playoff style big man hockey on the back end. So Edmonton, go out and get a guy like Ekholm and whether or not Nashville is a seller remains to be seen. But I think they've got some guys circled. And sounds like Gavrikov's going to be a Boston Bruin. But if you take him off the board, Edmonton's maybe has their pick of those guys who are left. So... Thanks for texting in, listener, M. Blair, YQR. Mitchell Blair but, from Regina, Saskatchewan. But I think the National Predators say a hell no to this deal. I mean, they're not just going to give up Matthias Ekholm just because somebody wants him. And they're not going to throw in Tanner Janot, who's going to be a highly sought-after player if he becomes available for a throwaway Jesse Pugliarvi a first and a second round pick like if you're going to trade those players Nashville is looking to recoup assets more assets in that deal I think that is not enough to acquire those two players because I think Ekholm alone would be a first a second in Bouchard and now you're talking about trading Tanner Janot for Jesse Pugliarvi nobody wants Pugliarvi <laughs> he's on waivers nobody wants him <laughs> it's such a, a curious situation so yeah Edmonton. if you're Edmonton you're saying giddy up give me those yes especially if I gotta give up nothing return and Evan Bouchard's a really good young player but it's not enough for Nashville to pull the trigger if you ask me Man. and I tell you what if Tanner Janot becomes available if I'm the Maple Leafs looking <laughs> to add one more bottom six player that is the guy I am circling and making sure it happens. Yeah, well, you talk about difference maker in a playoff series between either Tampa or Boston. That's a guy can, that can be a force to be reckoned with. We'll get into what the what else the Maple Leafs could do ahead of the deadline in the seven o'clock hour when Chris Johnson, our hockey insider, joins us, and yeah, they've given up a lot of draft capital to bring in O'Reilly and Achari. What else can they part with? And I think also a very reasonable question now. We had the deadline 10 days away. We've got, what, 25 games or so left in the regular season. Is what to make of Matthew Nyes and his ability to make the jump from, 
U.S. college hockey to the NHL this season. So those questions with CJ in less than an hour. We've got the first up scoreboard on the other side, recapping a very busy weekend in the world of sports. We'll get to some XFL scores, NBA All-Star Weekend, and the latest in the NBA and the NHL next. The long weekend in the rear view, and there's a lot of sports content to recap here on the first up scoreboard. Let's start with the XFL week one <laughs> in the rear view, and it was quite a week one. I, I gotta admit, I kind of enjoyed some of the quirks of the game, the fourth down conversion situation as a replacement for the onside kick, the two point conversion. Rules are cool as well. Three points for yeah, we you, saw that, uh, into the ten yard line. Two from the five. One from uh, I guess I think it's from the two. I I, I kind of liked it. It was quirky. It's quirky. It was yeah. Fun. So we saw all that in one game, right? It was the St. Louis BattleHawks that uh, were down fifteen to three with like a minute and thirty left. They score a touchdown. They convert a three point conversion, which is a conversion from the ten yard line for three points. Then instead of kicking an onside kick. The alternate rule in that league is you can go for fourth and 15 from your own 25-yard line. They connect on a fourth and 15. They keep the down going. They go in and score a touchdown to win the game with one minute and 30 seconds left. Crazy. I love that rule. Maybe the NFL should adopt it and see how that goes. But exciting weekend for the NFL. We saw The Rock kick it off in his fired up opening speech for the XFL. Is he jacked or what? It's just crazy what this guy's got going uh, he on. He must be working out with you and Garth. I think uh, I have seen Dwayne Johnson. I have seen uh, Dwayne Johnson at the uh, Richmond and Bathurst Good Life many times. Many nice. times. Actually, no, I, I have not. I don't it expect that. That's right. That's right. So the XFL story. How about John Rom wins again at the Genesis? I mean, this guy is on a ridiculous tear. That was a great finish. Uh, I felt bad for Homa. Uh, yeah, for Homa. and we'll play you the Homa audio in, later in today's program. And was he devastated not to win at a course and a tournament he loves? With regards to the NBA, you had All Star Weekend from Utah, and Chrissy. I don't know if we have the audio from Shaq and Charles Barkley talking about the city of. Salt Lake Utah. or the state of Utah. Not, they're not big fans of it. They're not big fans of it. So we'll get to that as well uh, later in the program. Sounded like Shaq spent a lot of money on room service and not let's, on let's the nightlight. Let's hear it now. 20's got it queued up oh, right does now. He have, does he have it queued up? All right, go ahead, Chris. Yeah. Who, who's, who are we going to hear from first? All right, let's hear from Barkley first. These people going to heaven up this way. Ain't nothing to do with this boring ass city. Boring, ain't nothing to do with it. It's great. You just it's a great city. No, you just like oh, ladies, it's a great, it's a great city, but ain't nothing to do here. These people all going to heaven. Oh my god! I remember ate so much room service in my life. Can't smoke, can't drink. These people going to heaven. Where they going? They going to heaven. That's amazing. Sounds like that sounds like Ottawa. That's like my description of Ottawa right there. Yeah, pretty much. Anyways, pretty much. Uh, we saw Damian Lillard win the three-point contest. Mac McClung with an unbelievable performance in the dunk contest, and the All-Star Game itself. I watched most of it. No defense wow, at all. That's pathetic. Like zero defense at all, and not even in like late in the fourth quarter when usually they ramp it up. There was nothing. I think Mike Malone, the coach of the Nuggets, called it. The worst game he's ever seen. And I think he's probably not far off. But it's the All-Star game. I don't know what you expect. Heard, uh, it's not Game I, 7 of the Finals. 
I heard Stephen A. Smith go off on the All-Star game yesterday basically saying these guys try harder in their summer league workouts than oh, they did in the All-Star harder. game. Well, you saw Giannis and, uh, leave after 20 seconds. LeBron left as well. Like These guys aren't yeah. taking any chances. They're all hungover. They've been out all night. Nothing in that game matters. I don't expect much. Right. It's the same as the NHL, same as the Pro Bowl. It used to be a little bit different now, but to expect summer league intensity even might be a stretch there. Right. But, you know, massive props to Mac McClung. He was the favorite going into the dunk contest. This is a guy that recently just got called up to the Sixers. I think there was a stat out there saying his career earnings in basketball was a hundred grand and winning that dunk contest won him a hundred grand plus other endorsements. Oh, so many endorsements. That he got. And and the beauty that I love about what he did, every dunk that he completed was on the first try. Agreed. Really, Huge. really impressive. Huge. Really yeah. impressive. Mac McClung must have had himself an evening yeah. in Salt Roof Lake. Service. Yeah, I mean, Got he's a lot like, of free hey, guys, service. any clubs here? They're like, nah, this is Salt Lake City, buddy. <laughs> I believe drinking not allowed after 10 p.m. in Are you serious? That's a rule there? Yeah, you know what? Let's look that up, Cheese. Let's find some Utah drinking rules because I think, well, yeah. Barkley and Shaq. How about your boy, uh, Kevin Herter? Oh, Herder's right. He hurt. Yeah. Yeah. He was terrible. Like, what do you have, like eight points or something? I mean, he was awful. And he, was, he had no chance. But whatever. I hit Mac terrible. McClung, so a profitable evening for yours. Truly. He was the guy from Along Came Polly. Yeah, exactly. trying to make it rain. Just yeah. banging it off the <laughs> there, was, there was no making it rain uh, for Kevin Herder. But Damian Lillard most certainly did. Uh, congratulations to him. The first Blazer to win the three-point contest. Very busy second hour of the program on the way. We'll hear from Kyle Dubas. We'll hear from Sheldon, o- Sheldon O'Keefe. Sheldon, I like O'Keefe now. That's his new nickname. And Ryan O'Reilly. The big dog is in the house. It's Ryan O'Reilly. The Leafs and the Sabres tonight will recap the weekend that was and look ahead to what could be for the Maple Leafs with Chris Johnson at 745 and more first up in Hour 2 next.